were talking earlier with uh, representatives of the Turkish community in Alberta and the Syrian uh, community in Alberta, and there's a, a large push to try and help the people in those countries affected by this devastating earthquake uh, that took place uh, uh, not long ago. Canada has announced they'll be sending an initial $10 million for earthquake help. That's immediate, and that's just the start, according to the federal government. There will be more on the way. They say nothing has been taken off the table at this point. You know, in other times, we've seen matching donations of you know, what Canadians donate, the government matches, things like that. But right now, um, the government says they're conducting a needs assessment to determine what the next steps should be. International Development Minister Harjit Sajan said um, today as he left the cabinet meeting that $10 million figure represents the initial response and says the government's looking at other options, medical teams, heavy urban search and rescue, um, the disaster assistance response team might be deployed. Nothing is being taken off the table. Um, all kinds of international relief efforts have been started and uh, rescue crews are heading to the region. And I know a lot of you have been reaching out to us here at the station saying, you know, what's the best way for us to help? What's the best way for us to get involved and, and try and support these efforts? Well, uh, there is a group that's up and running and you can check out their website already. It's called humanitariancoalition.ca. And joining us now to give us a little more insight into this group and what they're doing, we are joined by Richard Morgan, the Executive Director for Humanitarian Coalition. Richard, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate your time. Uh, I'm super grateful that you uh, that you have us on our show, and thank you for continuing to bring visibility to this important emergency. When we start talking about Humanitarian Coalition, uh, how many agencies are involved? What kind of agencies? Uh, what kind of work does this this coalition focus on? So the coalition brings together 12 of Canada's leading international aid agencies, uh, and many of whom your listeners would already know. So if you'll forgive me, I'll give you the quick list. It includes sure. Action Against Hunger, Canadian Food Grains Bank, Canadian Lutheran World Relief, Care Canada, Doctors of the World, Humanity and Inclusion, Islamic Relief Canada, Oxfam Canada and Oxfam Quebec, Plan International Canada, Save the Children and World Vision. Okay, so and that's a broad spectrum. That's going to cover various different areas of the relief effort then. It does indeed, and I should add that the Canadian Food Grains Bank also brings together an additional 14 other church-based agencies. So, in fact, our reach really is about 26 organizations that are uh, devoted to humanitarian and development work. Wow, okay. Um, and, and, and you've done this before. I mean, this isn't your first time being involved in an effort like this, correct? No, no. The Humanitarian Coalition began sort of as a as a project of coordination among our members back uh, after the Boxing Day uh, tsunami in Indonesia back yeah. in 2004, yeah. 2005. And really the agencies were coming together saying, there's got to be a better way for us to, to, to work together. And that included both coordination um, in country where, where the disasters were taking place, as well as coordination in Canada. Uh, to make it easier for uh, for Canadians to get involved, to, easier for Canadians and others to get on board and, and to mobilize and uh, and to reduce the costs uh, in terms of delivering uh, the aid. So we've been doing this uh, for some time together. Uh, in fact, since 2009, when we were incorporated as a separate charity, we've raised more than $160 million and we've supported the emergency needs of about 8, 8 million people in about 120 disasters. In this specific instance, and I know it's just hours old, so I imagine there's still a lot of work being done in terms of what the focus will be. What kind of things are you looking to provide? Is it primarily cash at this point? Well, indeed, yes. Uh, in, in we we would almost always recommend that Canadians interested in helping uh, should turn to the organizations that they know and trust and uh, and contribute a donation by cash. And the reason for that is 
uh, is, is, I guess, on several levels. The first one is that it's the fastest and most efficient and effective way to get aid uh, to the people who need it the most. Um, we've unfortunately seen in previous emergencies that Canadians, and, and quite understandably, you know, want to do something tangible. And so they might collect goods, or I remember in one emergency, someone had collected bicycles and things. And I understand the instinct to yeah. want to do something tangible. But the most important thing is to get helpful aid to the people who need it the most. Um, and cash is really the best way to do that. The second important part is is the longer-term effect, which is that you want to source the materials and the goods that people need as close to the community as possible. Um, and um, being able to, to provide cash into that circumstance means that you're buying locally as much as possible. You're helping to bolster the local or regional economy. Um, and even if even if the immediate local market might be damaged, you know, might be down, if you will, or damaged by uh, by an emergency, sourcing it from the, the next closest community is all good for the the regional economy. What's the situation like there? Like how? I'm just wondering in terms of logistics and going going about what you're trying to do here in a situation like we're dealing with in Turkey and Syria. What's it like? How does that process work? Well, it's important to recognize, actually, that it's a a bit of a different emergency context uh, in the two countries. So as your listeners may know, um, I mean, Canada has has welcomed many Syrian families uh, over the course of the decade of the the civil war there. And so Canadians are probably a bit more familiar with the situation in Syria. Uh, There are, um, of course, uh, in the northwest of of Syria where, where the earthquake was felt, Many buildings destroyed, um, a lot of people still trapped, uh, obviously, under the rubble, but also dealing with terrible winter conditions, terrible lack of resources. Uh, I think more than four, 4.1 million people in that area already depending on humanitarian assistance due to the years of conflict. So this, in the case of Syria, it's a conflict within, an, or it's an emergency within an already ongoing conflict. On the Turkish side of the border, you also have many Syrian refugees who are also in vulnerable situations, uh, even in Turkey. And then on top of that, the host communities, of course, that have been most affected by the earthquake are themselves in, uh, in considerable need. So that's, that's the, the context to start with. As you probably have heard, there are uh, certainly more than 5,000 people already identified as being killed, more than 20,000 identified as being injured. And those numbers, sadly, are just going up. Um, what's the what's the ask? I know there's so many people that do want to help. It's just as simple as going to your website, right? It is, yes. So we would encourage anyone who wants to donate to uh, to the 12 members of the Humanitarian Coalition to go to our website. The simplest is uh, is actually we have a website that's just together.ca, uh, okay. which is makes it makes it really easy for for people to get. So that's together.ca. And that'll help us with sort of a, a multi-phase response. So the first part of the, of the emergency response is supporting the search and rescue efforts. Uh, that's certainly when hours count the most. Whether you're helping people get out of uh, out of the rubble or people who manage to get out of the streets but may have been injured, emergency care and shelter are certainly top priorities. Quickly followed by the need for emergency food and water. So those are the first. That's the first wave of of, uh, of response. Then you've got families who've uh, tragically been separated as a result of uh, of the crisis. So you need to support reunification efforts to get families back together again, and also uh, creating safe spaces for children and women in particular. And then as you move further through the crisis, there's a huge amount of trauma that people have experienced. Yeah. yeah. So psychosocial support, uh, particularly for children, is important. Uh, but you'll also have people who, of course, have never never been physically incapacitated, and now their lives have been changed permanently. They may need assistive devices and assistive support. 
And then, of course, as we spoke about earlier, uh, as far as the economy goes, once once you've got those immediate needs needs met, which is the same as any of us would experience in a crisis, uh, then you need to help people restore their livelihoods and build back better. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we, we focus a lot on the initial immediate response, which, of course, we can't downplay. It's, it's vitally important. But but the, the the relief effort will be a long, long-term project in this. Pro- I mean, the, the devastation we're seeing, it's hard to wrap your head around. So uh, thank you and your organization for the work that you're doing. Thank you for joining us today. And uh, once again, uh, Humanitarian Coalition, or, or you said as simple as just going to together.com? Uh, ca. Okay, perfect. Excellent. Um, uh, thanks again so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it, Richard. And uh, best of luck with the campaign. Thank you for the work. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.